President Ajami? Here. Vice President Maxwell? Here. Commissioner uh, Paulson and Commissioner Rivera are both excused from today's meeting. Commissioner Stacy? Here. And we have a quorum. Thank um, you. Members of the public may make up to two minutes of remote public comment on an item by dialing 1-415-655-0001, meeting ID 2592-058-3232, pound followed by pound again. To raise your hand to speak, press star three. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when two minutes have expired. Please note that you must limit your comments to the topic of the agenda item being discussed unless you are speaking in a general public comment. And to remind you, if you do not stay on the topic, the chair can interrupt and ask you to limit your comment to the agenda item. We ask that public comment be made in a civil and respectful manner. Please address your remarks to the commission as a whole, not to individual commissioners or staff. On behalf of the commission, I would like to express our thanks to SFGTV staff and SFPUC IT staff for their assistance during this meeting. For those present, if you've not already done so, please silence your electronic devices. I'd also like to announce that item number eight on today's agenda, the public hearing to consider impossible action to adopt the revised rules and regulations governing electric service has been pulled from the agenda and will be rescheduled. And additionally, there will be no closed session today. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Um, before calling the first item, I would like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledges that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the ethno-historic territory of the Muakma Ohlone tribe and other familial descendants of the historic, federally recognized Mission San Jose, Verona Band of Alameda County. The SFPUC also recognizes that every citizen residing within the greater Bay Area has and continues to benefit from the use and occupation of the Moakma Ohlone tribe's aboriginal uh, lands. Since before and after the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's founding in 1932, it is vitally important that we not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge uh, and honor the fact that the Mokma Ohlone people have established a working partnership with this SFPUC and are productive and flourishing members within the many greater San Francisco Bay Area communities today. With that, um, oh, sorry, I actually, I apologize, I had to turn my page. I would like to also recognize uh, Brad Taylor, actually, I, our favorite voice online um, because he is actually retiring and um, I wanted to recognize him. He manages, uh, he has been managing San Francisco's SFUC's technical operation, uh, which is um, sort of oversees the SFUC's business network team, server team, infrastructure applications, and our SFUC customer service center, and is the well-known moderator and the voice behind SFPUC's public comment, who, after nine years of the service, uh, service with SFPUC has decided to pursue other opportunities. Um, we'll definitely miss Brad's voice. I would say when I took, um, uh, when I joined the commission, he was uh, certainly the voice that we would pay attention to, to know when to stop and to start. Uh, who is t speaking next, and all the technical difficulties were solved by Brad. So um, that definitely is a, um, uh, it's, uh, was a, such an important uh, sort of role to play. We appreciate that. In March of 2020, 
the COVID-19 emergency was declared and state and local emergency ordered were implemented, instituting remote meetings of public bodies. Brad was instrumental in working in collaboration with IT, IT teams statewide to, call, uh, to quickly implement fully remote commission meetings and ensure the ability for remote public comment, which was, not, which was no easy task, as you can imagine. Brad has continued to provide the commission with exceptional support and ensured public remote access to our hybrid meetings. We, we really do want to thank Brad. I also want to say I always appreciate how kindly he always, after every commenter, he asked them and thanked them for their comment, which I, I really appreciate that. A very, very kind and thoughtful voice. Um, we also would like to thank Lee Saro for his continued service and welcome Irene, Irene Khan and Mandy Nagan um, for um, Mandy Nang um, to the team. So, welcome, good luck, Brad. Welcome, uh, Irene and Mandy, and uh, we'll miss Brad's voice, but we are excited to have new members in our team. Okay, with that, Madam Secretary, could you please read the first item? The first item is item number three, approval of the minutes of August 8, 2023. Colleagues, um, any comments? Um, I just, we have it. I only have a right-sided colleagues. I feel like I don't want to ignore you, Cheryl, but I'm going to try to look this way as well. Um, colleagues, any comments, questions? Um, if none, uh, can we have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number three, the minutes of August 8th, press star three to raise your hand. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item number three? Seeing none, Mr. Moderators, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers wishing to be recognized at this time. Thank you. Public comment on item number three is closed. Um, colleagues, can I have a motion and a second to approve the minutes? Move to approve. Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call, please? President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have three ayes. Thank you. Minutes are approved. Um, could we have the next item, please? Next item is item number four, report of the general manager. Um, the first item that we have is going to be the quarterly audit performance and review report. And um, Irela Black, um, Blackwood is going to present that. All right, good afternoon, commissioners. <clears throat> My name is Irella Blackwood, and I'm the SFPUC Audit Director. Uh, thank you for having me here today. I present to you all um, the Audit Bureau Quarterly Audit and Performance Review Report for the fourth quarter. May I please have the slides? Um, as of June 30th, 2023, 18 audits, or 46% of the year's planned portfolio, has been completed. Uh, 15, or 39% of the planned audits, were in progress at the end of the fourth quarter. Six audits, or 15%, were scheduled to commence in the fourth quarter. Here are some of the details of the three audits that were completed in the fourth quarter. On April 20th, 23, 
Um, the controller's office issued the Energy Center franchise fee audit for calendar years 2019 and 2020, which focused on a total of $338,000 um, paid to the city for the period. Um, in May and June of um, this year, the 2021 Greeny energy verification audits were issued for Super Green and Super Green Saver programs, uh, respectively, which focuses on the different RPS energy levels. When we take a look at the in-progress audits for the SFPUC, this work includes an audit we are currently engaging with the Board of Supervisors budget legislative analyst on for their audit of Chapter 6 compliance with the, at the SFPUC. This is their biggest audit of, of the year. Um, the BLA's Chapter 6 audit comes from Motion 2285 that was passed by the Board of Supervisors to conduct a performance audit of the SFPUC's delegated authority um, for Chapter 6 of the Administrative Code. And this was passed on November 29th, 2022. It focuses on the past um, three fiscal years. And on this year, January 5th, 2023, uh, we received our first request for information from the budget legislative analysts relating to this audit. And a second request for information on April 20th, 2023. The first request for information was related to our understanding um, of our organization and identifying all of the staff involved in procurement process, all of our policies, um, and understanding all of our procedures related to procurement. Uh, we also provided BLA a comprehensive listing of contracts um, during that period from July 1st, 2019 to June 30th, 2022 for professional services and public works. The second request for information from the BLA included a request for full approval of documentation for almost 40 different contracts chosen by the BLA auditors, which totals about $740 million. So to date, at the PUC, 24 staff uh, have been involved in providing these requests in a timely manner, and the agency has invested about 400 hours of staff time to respond to these uh, requests to ensure that we're diligent uh, and um, provide them complete and accurate information. In addition to the Chapter 6 audit from the Board of Supervisors, Budget Le Legislative Analysts, they also have a Conflict of Interest audit in progress from the same motion, Motion M22-185, which is focused on the management and prevention of conflicts of interest in the approval and award process for contracts. So on May 11th this year, um, they contacted us and, and had a request for information uh, to look at 10 specific um, contracts. And so in response to this uh, request for information, uh, we provided extensive documentation for the selected contracts along with policy and procedure documentation. Um, based on our discussions and regular check-ins with them, um, we anticipate the closure of these audits to happen within this fiscal year. Uh, we are doing everything we can to provide them um, all of their information requests. So, okay, so um, as you know, the Audit Bureau actively monitors an all open audit recommendations throughout the agency to ensure that they are addressed in a timely manner uh, according to their respective deadlines. As of June 30th, 2023, uh, we had a 15 different audits, uh, 15 different recommendations, pardon me, uh, across two different audits, the Sewer System Improvement Program contract audit 
an, an additional um, set of recommendations from the revenue lease audit of Crystal Springs Golf Partners, currently still open. Moving forward, we anticipate the completion of a total of 11 audits during the first quarter of the fiscal year. And those audits include the wholesale revenue requirement, statement of changes in balancing account for the fiscal years 2021 and 21-22, the fiscal year 22-23 in the annual physical inventory counts for water, wastewater, and Hetch Hetchy and power. The Solus Procurement Public Integrity Assessment, the Reliability Standards Compliance Audit, and the Cybersecurity Maturity Assessment for fiscal years 22 and 23, and the NERC CIP Audit, um, and the 14B LBE Compliance Audit, and Phase 2 of the Revenue Bond Programs Audit. We also anticipate the launch of a total of four audits this quarter, namely the audit of the financial statements for water, wastewater, and Hetch Hetchy and Power, and phase three of the Revenue Bond Programs Audit. Thank you so much for your time. I'm available for any questions. Thank you so much. Commissioner Maxwell. Yes. Thank you. Um, I wanted to know if the Chapter 6 audit uh, with the Board of Supervisors, how often will that happen, or is it a one-time thing? They, the Board of Supervisors, to my understanding, and uh, reading the motion and talking with them, they have the discretion to look at different departments. And so um, they do this every three years, based on my understanding of the documentation and the motion. So they do a department every three years? Yes, and they so, chose the PUC. All right, so they could do ours again if something were to come up or not? They could do ours again. I'm working with them actively to get an understanding of their full plan for all the audit activities they have and any other policy reviews that they're doing at the PUC. And is there any um, overlap in, in the um, audits, the other audits that we're doing? It seems like there would be some overlaps. So yes. It's not all back to square one. Yes, based on all the contracts that we provided to them in the first request, um, they did have an overlap in their second request, and they acknowledged it, but they wanted further details and information, so there was some overlap. Thank you. Thank you. I really also appreciated some of the uh, recommendations that were provided, especially one that's close to my heart, which is contract management uh, improvement, so that's definitely a, uh, an important issue. Um, thank you. If uh, no questions, can we have a public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number 4A, press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining and another chime when two minutes have expired. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 4A? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers wishing to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item 4A is closed. Madam Secretary, there's no other um, report. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, could we have the next item, please? Next item is item number five, the Bay Area Water Supply and Conservation Agency update. Good afternoon, commissioners. Good to see you, happy summer to you as well. Um, if I could have the slides, please. Thank you. 
So I'm pleased to be here today to talk to you about a project that I've actually referenced a few times, our Water uh, Regional Reliability Roundtable. And this is an effort that we undertook really given interest that was being expressed to us by different stakeholders that we engaged in throughout the three counties and other areas for an opportunity to collaborate with these interested stakeholders on water reliability issues, the concept of one water, what's the opportunities that exist. So we had three goals through this effort to understand how projects that are being discussed could fit within a one water concept, identify collaborative opportunities and identify how entities can work together and support each other. We're really trying to figure out how we move forward with this. Um, the report is available on our website. Um, the graphics that I'm gonna go through today are all from the report. Um, it was quite an interesting process because we generally did it all via remote um, and uh, so we used some new tools. So we actually held four workshops um, to go through this process, and each workshop had a different theme, and it was focused on a particular theme. Um, and they occurred in May 2022 to February 2023. The invited participants, I mean, we basically invited everyone that we connect with, um, and kind of in different buckets, if you think, you know, water and wastewater agencies, so obviously our member agencies, but more importantly, the wastewater entities in the service area, as well as the other regional agencies in the service area, um, San Mateo County agencies, because a lot of this was a lot of focus on where is the gap? And in this one water concept in San Mateo County is the biggest area of a gap, if you will. So um, there's a group called CCAG, San Mateo. It's a city and county agency governments. Also, San Mateo County floodwater, flood control, resilience agencies, those types of things. Valley Water, San Francisco, but also housing interests as well as NGOs. So our NGOs that we reach out pretty consistently um, uh, on all sorts of issues. And we got, I would say, very good participation by the member agencies. One of the things we obviously want to work on is participation by others. And I think that was an area that we recognize needs some more work moving forward. So as I mentioned, we had four workshops. And in the report, you've got the materials for all the workshops, because again, they were really focused on specific topics. And it was an educational opportunity for the participants, and then to get feedback. And so each workshop featured a guest speaker and highlighted specific topics, so um, based upon the input that we received from others. So we invited, for example, Los Angeles Water and Power presented on their One Water Plan. Uh, Palo Alto presented on its efforts. Uh, the PUC presented on the alternative water supply and so forth. Um, really the idea of can our colleagues and our experts in this field educate everybody and how do we participate in this process in a better way? And in order to, as we've all kind of learned, right, Zoom is not the greatest opportunity for a stakeholder meeting to try to get input. Um, so we did try to test out some new things. We had a lot of interactive polls, um, breakout groups, um, different ways to get engagement from everybody, but then also to present that into the report to inform future work. Um, so we had, um, polls we had, and then we recorded all the polls and the graphics and stuff. So again, that's information that's in the report as far as the interim products. One of the main products from this was um, 
project information sheets. So project participants were invited to share information about their planned future projects and to put this information on kind of a standardized form um, that then could be used to launch into other efforts, specifically Bosco's Strategy 2045 work. Um, this map shows the results graphically of those um, projects uh, that were identified and, you know, are they surface water, storm water, recycled water, you know, what phase of planning are they in? Um, again, as a way to try to capture what's going on in this relatively large um, geographical region. And in looking at all of those together, um, what we found is we had um, groundwater extraction projects, recycled water projects, stormwater, surface water policy, and others. Together, a range of yield of 21 to 40 MGD, but again, these are, some of these are in you know, concept stages, right? None of them are far enough along that you would say it's ready to be built. But it certainly gave an indication that there is some room for further engagement and participation across the board on these types of projects. And that's really was the exciting piece and how to, how to work on these projects and to move them forward with the interests of the agencies. So after we went through all the workshops, we kind of pulled it together and tried to gauge the interest of the group in working together further. Um, and there was a lot of that interest. Um, and so we are gonna continue to facilitate this effort. We do have a couple workshops budgeted for this fiscal year. And also the recognition that the results of this are gonna feed into the strategy 2045 work. And whether it remains independent or if it gets absorbed into that, I think that really remains to be seen. We'll just kind of see how that works out. but. Um, it was a very exciting thing. The other big thing out of it that's in our work plan for next year is the idea of assistance that can be provided for grant support. And that was one of the key takeaways was that um, there was a need for uh, someone or some agency, essentially Bosca, to provide assistance in identifying grant opportunities, possibly writing grant applications or having a consultant write grant applications, um, everything just shy of grant administration, if you will. And so that's also something that the board supported in the work plan and we're moving forward with that. So it really, I think, was a very positive um, effort, but also useful in kind of our next steps forward. And a lot of the questions that you all have about what's happening in the service area, what are the potential plans in the service area? And, and so that's why I wanted to make sure you were aware of the report and uh, certainly answer any questions that you might have. Thank you, Ms. Sankar. Um, any, oh, Ms. Stacy, please. Uh, thank you for the presentation, and I applaud your efforts at collaboration. I think it's really a great problem-solving tool that we need more of in the future. I have just a question, if you can give some examples on your the map that shows uh, various projects. You have a lot of projects shown as other. Would you mind giving just a couple of examples? I, I'm sure I can read them in the report, but I'd love to. Yeah, so the, the other projects, this goes to um, some of the grant support, right? So things to help facilitate projects moving forward was the big piece of it. Um, th that was the one that stood out in my mind. Um, I thought maybe because they were projects on a map 
um, that they were actually other types of let me uh, let me look here projects. and then maybe it'll it'll stand out here others so it's the purples mm -hmm. I will get back to you because the other ones aren't sticking out to me in my in my mind sure I apologize I, I'll take a look at the report yeah. again I'm sure they were listed there I just they were all listed there's actually an okay. information sheet That's for fine. every single project yeah okay. my apologies. thank you uh, Ms. Ankula, thank you for this. I actually have a, a slightly different question. It, lots of projects obviously listed in your slide, um, the one with the bubbles on mm -hmm. the map. Um, and, you know, we have seen a lot of those projects have been in this format on the map for a long time. And, um, and I'm assuming a lot of them are interested in building partnerships so somebody else will come along and they can build some of them together. Um, I'm wondering, you know, there's one thing to talk about partnerships, there's another to actually like build them and a lot of that goes back to what's at stake, who's, who owns the water, who's gonna deliver the water, what does it mean? So in these conversations that you had, was there anything um, that was exceptional that came out that you guys had not thought about? Because I think, you know, it's always great to bring people to, together and have these conversations. There's another thing that come out of them and feel like, oh, there were like five things we didn't think about or five opportunities that were there that we really didn't pay attention to. And while we have talked about this together, like obviously financing is super important to a lot of these things, but it's also not just financing, it's also who operates these things, who's the owner, who has the right to write, use it, how do you make sure it's transferred from location to location. There's a lot of other things that goes behind these projects. Um, so I was just wondering if anything comes to mind attending those workshops. Yeah, so you know, you hit on two things. So I think first, the reason we're moving forward with a grant assistance program, I will say that's something I have really, I have been less than enthusiastic about up to this point. Um, I, I, I appreciate it when we get grants, but grant administration is incredibly complex, and you know we have a small office, and so trying to—that was not one I was thrilled about, but it came across unanimously, if I will say, that that there's a lot of grant monies out there, but to actually just get to the grant monies, to even be capable of trying to get them, there was a big assistance level that was needed. And, and that that is something that Bosca can certainly offer. So that, that was a major push. And I think that will actually make a difference in this light because the other thing that's changed is this, to me it's an institutional question, right? Yeah. How does the development of any particular project relate to the existing status quo and rights and obligations? And with the PUC's continuing interest, like the, the, I guess I would say the, the continuing threats on the supply, generally, climate change. I think there's an increased recognition that there's a benefit to diversification for a lot of other reasons that didn't necessarily exist 15 to 20 years ago. And so now that was the benefit of bringing others together to say, okay, if we can increase partnerships that are logical, for example, where you've got a basin and those partners are coming together. That's a logical connection with shared needs. That seemed to be more evident than it had been in the past. But that always requires money to make that first step. So again, that was where I think trying to provide the money 
and keeping that conversation going and addressing those real, real appropriate connections, which is a little bit different than saying, I want to partner with someone on the other side of the bay and do a project. I know that's a different kind of institutional consideration. This was really about, hey, where are the natural partnerships that we hadn't otherwise thought about that now are really obvious to us? I mean, some of these meetings were held in the wake of the flooding in San Mateo County, for example, right? right? Those all became a lot more obvious through right. some of that stuff. I mean, I still, to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed um, that, for example, I don't see more of on-site reuse options on other people's tables. Just, you know, yeah. it's a bit I, I don't think that would have shown up here, so I wasn't expecting that to show up in this. That's, that is going to, and, and my team and I have talked about that, that is going to show up through Bosco's strategy. That's going to take, I think, a larger, that is a role that Bosca can play in a larger policy framework to say, hey, here's, here's something we can assist you with and to put on a table and to help you move forward with it. Right. Um, you know, there are, there are some cities that have done it, certainly in the service area. That it's not that it's not done, but it's not a broad policy um, because of the differences in the development patterns. I mean, you know, it's, you don't have a lot of development in all of the areas, and so it's not necessarily the thing that they're going to focus on. Right? But, I mean, we often hear, like, lots of development is going to happen, population is growing, work, businesses are coming. I mean, I actually just last week visited... Google's campus, um, you know, uh, that's like a mini city, right? And they have oh, yeah. done it. Well, and all Obviously, the, they have the South all the money Bay the stuff is very different. I mean, you right. really have to think very differently about those kinds of policies, you know, in the, the larger development areas in the South Bay than if you're looking at the San, again, back to that San Mateo County thing. I mean, there are differences in development patterns across the counties, and so you'll right. see that different things happen. But I'm expecting that through our strategy work, there'll be, as we've done before, broad um, policies that we can support all the agencies adopting, finessing it to make it work for them, right? Because right. it's only going to work if it works for them. Um, but that highlights that issue differently. Right. I mean, I appreciate that. I think that's absolutely correct. That needs to be a policy. Another thing that I noticed was uh, not a lot of points in here on um, demand, which I think on-site reuse also falls under, ca mm -hmm. under that category, as you and I have spoken about this. Uh, you know, a lot of focus on supply, not a lot of focus on demand. And I don't want to go down a path of we have to do more conservation and efficiency. I really mean it in a very broad sense of what is our demand strategy? How can we switch a little bit to think about demand as something that we can influence, we can change, we can work on. Um, doesn't show up here, obviously. Not surprising, but, mm -hmm. but surprising at the same time, especially yeah. considering you had people at the table who potentially, you like, for example, Pacific Institute have talked a lot about this, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I was also surprised to see that. Mm -hmm. In addition to, again, like, the bubbles are great, but these bubbles, when my team was doing that study 10 years ago, was the same, exact the same bubbles. Of course. <laughs> right, no, and because well, there's never anything new, right? I mean, it's right. just, but it's a matter of, can they look at it in a different light? And that right. was really what this was about, in my mind, was we've all experienced something more right. in the last 10 years. Yes, three years are, has, have changed. It's, a yes. lot of things have changed. And so, and, and, and 
Bosco was willing to step up to do this to say, okay, let's start having these larger collaborative discussions and figuring out what needs to happen to break through that. And part of that is, I mean, to be bluntly honest, the reliability of the San Francisco supply and the questions about it, right? I mean, but they also have to balance their own investments with what they can get from you and everything else. So it's, you know, I would love to think it would be an easy picture, but it's more complicated than that. Um, but the conversation's happening, and I think the timing with your alternative water supply strategy you know, work at our strategy 2045, I think is going to have a more robust conversation about it. Um, and, you know, as far as, you know, the demand, I think, you know, we should talk about that some more. Um, I mean, there's the idea of conservation. I mean, that's fully baked into everything, right? That That's, there's no doubt about that. And then you've got your on-site reuse, you know, to, to tell some elected officials in the service area that they can adjust demand. The first thing is, great, I do I have to approve all this housing? I don't know that that's necessarily what we want them to do. So, you know, I mean, that's a that's a careful conversation. Yeah, and I think I just want to emphasize that to your point, we want to differentiate between let's stop housing because we don't want more demand from the actual demand strategy that's totally different, has right. nothing to do with like no more housing kind right. of a attitude. Right. And I think often people const const continuously talk about how demand uh, population is a driver of demand, which is not true. And you know, right, it's, right. You know, and it's certainly not true for our investments for future reliability. Right. That is not population growth. Right. That's a drought reliability and resiliency, right? So, right. Um, so I tell that to my board often. Like, this is not a question of trying to investment to deal with population growth. It's we have a reliability issue with our current supply. We need to invest to make it better. Thank you so much. Really Welcome. appreciate it. Um, can we have public comment on this item, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number five, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when your two minutes have expired. Are there any members of the public present to provide comment on item number five? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we do have one caller wishing to be recognized. Thank you. Caller, go ahead, you have two minutes. Thank you, Brad, we're gonna miss you. I think you might have a future as a radio personality. Thanks for all you've done. This is Peter Dreckmeyer. I'm the policy director for the Tuolumne River Trust. And I participated in the regional reliability roundtable. I thought it was a really good process and appreciated the opportunity to participate. And I also wanted to acknowledge that Bosca did a really good job with their regional water demand and conservation projections update, which was released at the end of 2022. What I appreciated about it, and I just reviewed it again, and it's a great report, is it included a sensitivity analysis that looked at how might population and jobs growth impact demand, housing density, water rates, water conservation, and climate change. And there were five different scenarios. So one looked at the outside envelope, which is what the urban water management plans are planning for, but also looked at uh, using California Department of Finance population growth projections instead of just plan Bay Area. And population might not be the only driver, 
of demand, but it's the, the biggest driver. Right now, Department of Finance just a few weeks ago came out with new projections, and they believe the populations of San Francisco and San Mateo County are going to decrease. And it'd be nice to have some information about that and, and maybe a plan, because if, we're, if demand is lower, we're gonna have to spread out the uh, fixed costs among the customers. And what we definitely want to avoid is over-investing in expensive alternative water supplies that we might not need. So I strongly encourage the SFPUC to follow Bosca's example and just look at various scenarios, do a sensitivity analysis, because right now the alternative water supply plan only has the outside envelope for demand. And what we really need is bookends. That Sorry, Colleen, your time has expired. Madam Secretary, there are no other callers wishing to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item number five has closed. Thank you. Um, could you please read the next item? Next item is item number six, consent calendar. Colleagues, any uh, comments, questions related to consent calendar? None. Um, can we have public comment on this, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number six, consent calendar, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when your two minutes have expired. Are there any members of the public present to provide comment on the consent calendar? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers wishing to be recognized at this time. Thank you. Public comment on item six is closed. Thank you. Uh, colleagues, if there are no questions, can I have a motion and a second to pass the items on consent calendar? Move to approve the consent calendar. Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call, please? President Ajami? Uh, aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. With three ayes. Thank you. Uh, those eyes items are approved. Um, can we, could you please, oh, um, yeah. Could you please call the next item? Item number seven, approve amendment number five to contract number CS1408, multi-party cost share contract for Los Vaqueros Reservoir expansion, expansion Project Planning with Alameda County Flood Control and Water Conservation District Zone 7, Alameda County Water District, Contra Costa Water District, East Bay Municipal District, East Bay Municipal Utility District, Grassland Water District, San Luis and Delta Mendota Water Authority, Santa Clara Valley Water District, and Los Vaqueros Reservoir Joint Powers Authority to increase the not to exceed contract amount by 8,673,000, of which 1,239,000 would be the not to exceed obligation of the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission for a new total not to exceed amount of 31,525,836, of which 4,597,910 would be the total not to exceed obligation of the San Francisco Public Utility Commission and extend the contract duration by 12 months for a new total contract duration of five years and four months. 
Good afternoon, Commissioners. Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Uh, the Los Vaqueros Reservoir Expansion Project will increase the capacity of Los Vaqueros Reservoir in Contra Costa County by 115,000 acre feet, which is a bit larger than the capacity of Calaveras Reservoir that uh, San Francisco owns and operates. The planning for this project has been ongoing since 2016. Uh, as you heard in the title, we are one of eight agencies that have been participating in the planning process. Uh, we have been, under this agreement, sharing equally in the expenses of the planning phase. Um, this project is one of the projects being evaluated in our alternative water supply plan, and it's anticipated that the Commission will need to make a decision in early 2024 regarding our participation in the project uh, or not. The action before you today is an amendment to the planning phase agreement. This is the fifth amendment to the agreement, bringing the total for the planning phase to about $32 million, which is uh, on par with planning for this kind of project uh, and with other projects. Our share of this amendment is about $1.3 million, which will bring our total participation in the planning phase to $4.6 million. We recommend approval of, the further, of this further participation in anticipation of the full-blown project decision that will need to be made uh, early next year. Uh, I'm happy to answer any other questions. I do have one edit to recommend to the resolution, but that can be after the uh, questions you might have. Sounds good. Commissioner Maxwell. Yeah. Are you confident that um, everything will be planned out and ready at that time? Uh, well, one of the this project is very interesting in that because of the number of agencies involved, it is actually one of the more complex projects that we've been looking at. On the other hand, it is also driven by the potential to get state grant funding and federal grant funding to pay for it. So those schedules have really pushed this project very rapidly. So we are currently in the process of negotiating a variety of agreements uh, for this uh, project, I think some of which are articulated in the alternative water supply plan. Uh, the, uh, the real, the big one is what's called the service agreement. Uh, that would be an agreement between uh, San Francisco and the other parties, particularly the Joint Powers Authority, on how are we going to get water in and how are we going to get water out, how's it going to be operated, how much do we have to pay for it, that whole set of things. And that agreement is driven by many other smaller agreements that are actively being negotiated right now. So this is a, a complex project, uh, but the schedule has been pushed very hard to try to take advantage of the available grant money, which was part of the topic earlier. It's grant money is, is a big deal in all this. Um, so your answer is? My answer is uh, we, will, we will know as much as we're going to know, uh, and there will be a press to make a decision. And I think we will be in a position of um, making a decision with a lot of information in hand, but still some uncertainty there. So uh, your answer then is cautiously yes, you think it will be? Cautiously yes. I'll, I'll say cautiously yes. Okay. Uh, and I reserve the right to change my opinion by that time and say cautiously no. And we definitely give it to you, yeah, we understand. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Mr. Ricci, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So we are, um, you mentioned early in 24. Yes. And I'm thinking, um, you know. That's very soon. <laughs> right. And the list is quite long. Yes. So I'm wondering, like, how much of this has been done, how much of it hasn't been done. And, um, and to be honest with you, I couldn't really figure out in this how that list has altered from the previous version of this that we have approved. 
you know, you have a list here that these are the, these are the sort of like um, um, topics, topic areas that they're going to work on, right? Basically tasks that are going to be undertaken under this project. And it doesn't say which ones are new versus which ones, uh, which ones are already in the process. So I couldn't figure out where is that money yeah. is going. No, none of these are really new. They have always been anticipated. Right. It's just that the, the, need, to be finished the need to actually pin down the details and make a decision is just becoming ever more the driver of this. And so okay. people, are, people are, you know, I hate to say it, people are getting serious about it now. Okay. Uh, and it means the more serious you get, the more questions you ask, the more questions you ask, the more work it takes. Um, there are challenges in getting these agreements done. There's no question about that. Uh, but I think uh, the, the, the decisions have become much more real for people, which is why there needs to be the continued investment until we can get to the finish line with these agreements. And then I looked, um, you know, there in, the, in this it says we potentially can get 40,000 acre feet from this project. And the capacity increase is about 115. So that's about like 35%. That's correct. And there are like eight of us. So I'm wondering how did we ended up with a bigger chunk of the pie? And I mean, I'm just curious about the division process, right? One year yeah. we may get 40,000 in there and everybody needs to decide how much their allocation is going to be. So I'm wondering where is that, um, those um, conversations going? As the process has uh, proceeded, uh, people have been asked for how much do you want, knowing that we have 115,000 acre feet total. Uh, some are more well defined, others less. Uh, we, uh, I think, started at 20,000 acre feet and moved up to 40,000 acre feet uh, within the time frame. Uh, others have increased a little bit and others have decreased a little bit. Uh, there was never a formal bidding process, it was just literally. How much do you want given this size? Uh, and we have settled on a, a variety of numbers, but even those won't be done until people have to sign on the dotted line. Okay, and then imagine tomorrow we're going to start building, and um, or does that mean that if we have a we have a bigger allocation or our sort of wish list is larger than others, does it mean that we have to pay more for this? Yeah, part of the, the cost will be dependent on how much capacity you're buying. And for us, and when we can go into the project in much more detail and maybe in briefing sessions for the commissions because there are an awful lot of details involved here. Um, but uh, in our case, that 40,000 acre feet is really driven by, as Nicole had said, we're always looking for dry year supply. Right. So how much, we can store maybe up to 40,000 acre feet but we won't get that much out if we have to hold it in the reservoir for several years waiting for a drought. Right. Uh, evaporation and other things will, will eliminate some of that. One of the big questions for everybody is exactly how the operation will occur so that we know if we have 40,000 acre feet in there, can we get 40,000 acre feet out or whatever's left of our share uh, over a period of time? Uh, and as simple as that might sound, when you've got eight parties, it's not simple. It's not simple, yes. So, so I'm assuming a lot of thinking is going into how we, I mean, also a lot of uncertainty in this, right? We don't, we don't right. even know what's going to happen. One, one big question is, uh, you know, as with all of our reservoirs and other people's reservoirs, they get drawn down in dry years, and then you get to refill it, okay? Who gets 
their share of the refill first? Is it disproportionate all the way, or does somebody get a priority? Uh, there's, there's lots of issues like that that all need to be pinned down. Okay. Uh, one last question I have for you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, many, many years ago, I've worked on CalSIM. Uh, obviously, CalSIM is very much run by historical data. Is this a new one that basically has a climate data input as their operational, so when you're doing the modeling, or is this still like dependent on uh, historical river flows uh, perturbed by a few things and... Uh, the work in CalSIM uh, and in, I, I can't recall, the, the federal projects uh, model, those have been evolving continually over time. Okay. They are continually improving. I, I, anecdotally, I will remember back when I worked on these in the 90s, it seemed like every modeling run, people would say, oh, yeah, we got these were the results. And by the way, we had just found another flaw in the model that we've just fixed. You know, yes. they're fixing flaws all the time. <laughs> Models are... Models are models. Models are models. Yes. Uh, they've all gotten better, uh, but they still don't have all the answers. You still have to exercise judgment on top of it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, if there are no more questions, can we have public comment on this item, please? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I apologize. Yeah. I think you wanted it, to have it an amendment. It is an important technical detail. Yes. Uh, on page two of the item, there's a list of whereases. Uh, or on page two of the resolution, excuse me, uh, there are a list of whereases. The fifth whereas should be deleted. Uh, it is a partial duplicate of the eighth whereas, which should remain in the resolution as is. It's a more complete CEQA finding, uh, whereas the earlier one is just, it was an administrative error that it got in there. Here, one second. I need and to And thanks sure to I Commissioner Stacy for catching it. Oh, thank you. Okay. Okay, so we would like to delete, whereas amendment number five does not continue a project under California Environmental Quality Act guidelines, section 15378, um, because there would be no physical change in the environment. Yeah, yes, and whereas number eight starts with that line and then continues with more appropriate detail. Okay, perfect. Um, can we have public comment on, on this item? Thank you, Mr. Ritchie. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item seven, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item number seven? Uh, good afternoon again, Commissioners Nicole Sankula, Bosca CEO. I, I just want to express support for the proposed, uh, the recommended staff action on this important project. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Any other speakers present? Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we do have one caller wishing to be recognized. Caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Thank you, Peter Dreckmeyer, Tuolumne River Trust. I don't have any problem with this project based on environmental concerns, and some of my colleagues feel like it's one of the better projects proposed. But I do question whether it's a wise investment. Uh, personally, I don't think we'll need the water. But more importantly, 
there are going to be regulations related to nutrient discharge from wastewater into the bay that has caused the toxic algae blooms last summer and this summer. And what makes a lot of sense is to, in the process of denitrifying the wastewater, recycling it and using it. And if that's something that the SFPUC is going to have to do one way or the other, uh, it might more than offset the benefits of the Los Vaqueros project. So I encourage you to look at this as a multi-benefit opportunity uh, for, the, for the wastewater recycling versus Los Vaqueros. Thank you. Do we have any other callers with their hands raised? Thank you for your comments. Uh, Madam Secretary, there are no other callers wishing to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item seven has closed. Thank you. Um, colleagues, can I have a motion and second to approve this item as amended? Uh, move to approve as amended. Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call, please? President Jeremy? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have three ayes. Excellent. Item passes. Hopefully the last time we'll see this before we are going to approve the project. Um, okay, can we have the next item, please? Um, item eight has been pulled from the uh, calendar as was previously announced. Your next item is item nine, authorize a general manager to recommend that the San Francisco Director of Property execute a certificate of acceptance to accept an approximately seven acre parcel known as block lot nine eight, I'm sorry, eight nine two eight 001 in fee and at no cost to the SFPUC for the future site of the new Treasure Island wastewater treatment plant. Approve the terms and conditions of the transfer and authorize a general manager to execute a 66 year lease with the Treasure Island Development Authority to use approximately three acres of land comprising a portion of block lot 8946002 at no cost to the SFPUC for the future development of wetlands to the Treasure Island wastewater treatment plant for the final stage of wastewater treatment. May I have the slides, please? Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners, President Ajami. I'm here this afternoon to seek your approval of the real estate transactions and agreements necessary to construct the new Treasure Island Wastewater Treatment Plant. A bit of history first. Treasure Island is a man-made island constructed by the Army Corps of Engineers in 1937 on a submerged rocky outcropping of Yerba Buena Island. In the 1940s, during World War II, the United States Navy took ownership of the island and, and established Naval Station Treasure Island, which operated until 1993 when it was selected for closure. It was officially closed in 1997, at which time the California State Legislature created the Treasure Island Development Authority, which we know as TIDA. TIDA was to be responsible for the reuse and redevelopment of the island. The Navy quick claimed its ownership to TIDA. Similarly, the California State Lands Commission, who has jurisdiction over portions of Treasure Island, also granted its interest to TIDA as its trustee. And now TIDA is implementing the Treasure Island slash Yerba Buena Island development project. TIDA is responsible for all the utility, all the utilities on Treasure Island, including wastewater, until new infrastructure is constructed by the developer and accepted by the city. 
the SFPUC functions as a contract operator for TIDA through an annual agreement and provides operation and maintenance services for the existing wastewater facilities. The existing treatment plant was built by the Navy over 50 years ago, and it's not capable of meeting the needs of the future development. So the SFPUC is desi designing and constructing a new wastewater treatment plant. The new treatment plant is composed or comprised of two components, uh, the main component being the treatment plant itself, which will treat and disinfect the water for discharge and will also produce recycled water for uses on the island, such as irrigation. Uh, the second component are wetlands, which are the final stage before discharge. These would be constructed adjacent to the treatment plant and would function as a public amenity and a wildlife habitat as well, which is an important uh, an important uh, issue, important to this item. In 2017, the SFPUC and TIDA negotiated a Memorandum of Understanding, or an MOU, to govern the development of the wastewater treatment plant. The MOU also contemplated the general framework for the real estate agreements that would be necessary um, and include a fee transfer of the parcel where the wastewater treatment plant would be constructed and a conveyance of it, or a lease interest of the area where the wetlands are to be constructed. The MOU and thus the real estate conveyances were approved by the Board of Supervisors in 2017 and no further board action would be required for, this, uh, for these transactions. Now you may question why these two areas wouldn't be included as a single parcel uh, to be conveyed to the SFPUC in fee. And that's because Go back. Um, as I mentioned in the first slide, Treasure Island was constructed on submerged lands, also known as sovereign lands. These are lands that are owned by the public and held in trust for the people, and they're under the jurisdiction of the State Lands Commission to be used for limited purposes, usually water dependent, like commerce, navigation, um, fisheries, uh, environmental preservation, and recreation. The State Lands Commission has an interest in preserving these lands in trust as much as possible, and the trust can only be terminated under certain circumstances. So in the, in the case of Treasure Island, um, where much of the proposed development is not consistent with the trust, uh, TIDA and the State Lands Commission have actually nego negotiated a trust exchange which would lift the trust from the areas of the island where non-consistent uses are proposed to be developed. Um, and then in exchange, it imprinted the trust on areas of Yerba Buena, which aren't intended to be developed. So th that is the trust exchange. In the case of the wastewater treatment plant, the plant itself is not trust consistent because it serves non-trust properties. But the wetlands, which are a public amenity and a wildlife habitat, are actually consistent with the trust. And that's why they were split, so that that can remain under the trust. Unfortunately, the, wild, the, the wastewater treatment plant was not part of the original trust exchange between TIDA and the State Lands Commission. So over the last year, TIDA worked with the state to include the parcel in the exchange. This will remove the trust from the treatment plant parcel and then TIDA will be able to quit claim it to the SFPUC free of the public trust. All of the administrative work related to both the trust exchange and the quit claim is complete and subject to your approval 
and receipt of a certificate of acceptance by the city's director of property. TIDA will coordinate the closing of the trust exchange and then immediately record the quit claim to the, to the city through the SFPUC. There will be no cost to the SFPUC for the transfer of the property. The wetlands area would remain subject to the public trust and TIDA as the state's trustee would be the landlord. TIDA and SFPUC staff negotiated a form of lease with the 66 year term, which is the maximum allowed under the public trust doctrine. Under the lease, the SFPUC may use the property during the first five years as staging for the construction of the treatment plant, uh, but for the rest of the term, it may only be used as wetlands. And again, there is no cost to the SFPUC for use of the land. CEQA. The final environmental impact report for Treasure Island Yerba Buena Island Redevelopment Project was certified on April 21st of 2011. The EIR um, included a very general description of the future, future wastewater treatment plant. So in 2019, after the SFPUC had advanced its planning and design of the project, city's planning department reevaluated the, up, uh, the updated design and determined that no substantial changes, concluded that there were no substantial changes to the project. And then this commission subsequently adopted the CEQA findings. So my colleague, Jignesh Tisai, who is the project manager on this particular project, are available if you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Stacy. Uh, thank you. Thanks for the presentation. It's exciting to see this moving forward. I know it's very complicated, both legally uh, as well as um, the project itself is complicated. I um, went back and looked at all the CEQA documents and I looked at the mitigation monitoring program and I saw that there are fairly, uh, there are a lot of construction mitigations and I understand that um, you've issued a notice to proceed and I assume that the PUC is now taking responsibility to make sure all those mitigation measures are implemented. I know you, that the PUC has a great system for monitoring all of the mitigation measures. Good afternoon, Jignesh Desai, project manager. Thank you, Commissioner Stacy, for that question. Uh, it is correct. We are uh, we just NTP as of yesterday. I think one of the true benefit of design build contract, which this you all approved uh, late last December, where we can concurrently start construction while we are finishing the final design. So it is true. We uh, issued notice to proceed for construction as of yesterday. Uh, we are uh, already implementing all the mitigation measures such as sweepy stormwater pollution prevention plan, uh, air quality, noise, all the mitigation construction best practices will be implemented part of our construction activities. Great, thank you. It's a really exciting project with the wetlands component and the recycling component. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see it underway and we'll be very interested to see it as it uh, develops, so thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. It's a long and complicated process. Um, I have a question on the wetland lease area. Does the fact that this is part of the trust impact um, 
the way we use it for, you know, for example, testing different me mechanisms, trying different things in the wetlands, not necessarily construction-wise, but like how do you, I'm assuming this is, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, this is a managed wetland, right? So are there any limitations on what we can do in that area that potentially will uh, revoke our, the trust piece in any ways or means? Thank you, Commissioner, for that question. I think as long as it's consistent with uh, the effluent operation maintenance sampling protocols, I don't think there is any issue with the way uh, we okay. operate the wetland. Okay, that's good to know. And then what happens after 66 years? Great question. Um, so we don't have the, op the option for options in this lease because there is a 66-year maximum. And that was a question that came up while we were negotiating. Um, so if we, would if we are still the utility provider, we would obviously attempt to renegotiate a new lease, um, kicking off a new term. If that's not possible, we would be able to bypass the wetlands um, provided we get regulatory approval to do so. There is the capability to, to bypass the wetlands to discharge directly to the bay from the treatment plant. But can it be, for example, since the wetland is a natural system, right? Let's say 66 years passes, we are still a utility. They don't want to give us, you know, this, this term that we have is not, a, um, you know, interest, uh, of interest to the State Lands Commission. Um, do we have to sort of redirect the fluent or, or can sort of they sort of operate this and uh, work with us in the process? I'm just trying to figure out, like, are there things that we have to think about? Like, in 66 years sounds a lot long time, but, you know, look, time flies, so. Excellent question, Commissioner. I think one of the things in our wastewater industry is the intensification of processes, and always there's innovation happening, mm -hmm. and our hope is that within 66 years there'll be much better technologies and the instrumentation where we can create a very high quality of uh, effluent that we would have no issue bypassing the, the wetland area. So I'm counting on technology next 66 years. <laughs> okay. or, or the wetland might need that effluent, right? At some point, like if, if you've operated that way, eventually probably need some form of an input from the system to be able to stay alive. So it's just some, somewhere in there, the management needs to be reconsidered in some ways. But I'm just wondering if some of that thinking has been done now. But Technology is supposed to save all of us, huh? <laughs> you never Correct. Know. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have another question, Commissioner Stacy? I was just thinking about the, the three-acre wetlands. It seems that with the trust limitations, it's, it, it seems like a low risk that, um, that, that, that three-acre wetland could be used for anything else. Um, unless there were some other trust consistent use, but it seems like a fairly low risk proposition that yep. they wouldn't renew after 66 years unless somebody else wanted to operate the wetlands. Is that your thinking or? Um, I, I think so. The area around the treatment plant is currently the way that the design looks is that it is all open space and green space. And sure. I, I'm not sure that this is the only area that will be technically wetlands. Mm -hmm. um, whether constructed or not, but yeah, this is the area where we will be responsible for it. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, quite exciting. Maybe they develop a broader set of wetlands next to this, and then somebody else would be responsible to operate it. You never know, right? Um, so um, thank you so much. Um, if there are no more questions, can we have public comment on this item? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number nine, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do you have any call members of the public present to provide comment on item number nine? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have no callers wishing to be recognized at this time. Thank you. Public comment on item nine has closed. Thank you, colleagues. If uh, there are no more questions, can I have a motion and a second to approve this item? I move to authorize the general manager to recommend the certificate of acceptance and to enter the lease for the wetland site. And I second all that. <laughs> Thank you. Can we have a roll call on this item? Thank you. President Jemmy? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have three ayes. Thank you. Good luck, Ms. Passes. Um, keep us posted. Um, can we have the next item, please? The next item is your communications item. Uh, this is an information-only item, but if there are any if, uh, comments, we can always uh, say none. Can we have the next item, please? Next item is general public comment. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on matters that are within the Commission's jurisdiction but are not on today's agenda, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do any have, have any members of the public present to provide general public comment? Okay. Hello. was here. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to have um, my sister um, and Toy, you want to get, get first because I have a little, I'm sorry, I have a, um, a little small um, video, but I would like for them to talk first because it's going to be really dynamic. You're going to see my mom <laughs> before she passed away with a meeting with General, um, Mr. Kelly, he's so close to my heart and I just wish he was here with us, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna do the video after they get finished. Thank but you. It's, it's really small, okay. Good afternoon to all you. Um, again, I'm Toa Jones, descendant of Dr. Espinola Jackson. Um, Bayview, not for sale, honor her legacy. Let 1800 Oakland buildings, oh no, let 1800 Oakdale buildings be a remembrance historical landmark where it all began with the mediation. Now, PUC breached to the mediation by not building education, building college credit courses, which should include senior programs, free child care, 
job training for biosolid sewage treatment and other programs. We here today to whether we've been blindsided, PUC, if this the case, you, you breach commitment to honor mitigation and we are the community and descendants of the mitigation and we, we're not going nowhere. If you decide to demolish our building, you telling us here today, you partaking in wiping out the history and burying our founders. And by doing so is no respect. Thank you guys. Thank you. Hi, I'm Roland Jackson. And uh, I'm just gonna speak on the two locations, but on the same promise to the community in District 10, Bayview Hunts Point. It was brought to our attention that the closing down, boarding up and taking away and talking and tearing down the building, the PUC general manager promised Dr. Espinosa Jackson, family and the community that 1800 Odell will remain standing as a landmark, the first and original building that the big six fought for. 1550 Evans, the New Southeast Community Center, as part of the mitigation, the PUC promised to provide college education, credit courses, senior programs, biosolid sewer treatment, job training, in addition to other resources. We, the community, want to see more job training opportunities for the Bayview Hunters Point residents. Construction opportunities are fine, but when the Construction is over. We're back to the drawing board, experiencing financial hardship. The community needs to be trained to operate the new facility in the neighborhood where we reside, and we need jobs, city jobs, job security. Community benefit funds, we have major construction projects underway in District 10, Bayview Hunts Point. Where has the community benefit funds been allotted? allocated to because our community haven't been receiving anything. The construction that are working and the place in our community are supposed to give community benefit funds to this community. We have the funding been going over the past four to five years. The community wants to know and we want to see reports because we are tired of the lip service and broken promises. We be back for an answer. Dr. Jackson, Dr. Espinosa Jackson family and community is here to make sure Legacy lives on for generations to come. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I'm gonna look at my sister, cheer mommy, and my mom. <laughs> I get nervous, but I'm gonna start this. Um, thank you so much. I just wanted you to see this. Um, okay. Uh, I supposed to click on that one. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Then he told me. All right, tell you what. And I gave him a hundred thousand dollars. I tell you know what I do. You know what I do. If they gonna renovate, they can renovate one at a time. So we got go build a thing. Renovate one building at a time. You know what I'm saying? I have to see what. 
you renovate one building at a time. And when that building, one building renovated, they move into it. Because see, you got three groups over there. So you see what group, and I'll talk to them and let them know that you're coming in to renovate. Well, I think there's an opportunity for us to tie into our the recycled water, the, uh, the biosolids, and the energy. Mm -hmm. So right now, the greenhouses use so much energy. It's so okay, it's okay, but I know you can find a way. You know, we know. Because I'm just saying it's going to be a longer process than just going. That's through. all right. That's all right. But the Good. problem, but the problem. Espinola is that it is really bad right now. Uh, it's been bad. It's unsafe. It is unsafe. It's unsafe. The problem it's is I know it now. Before okay. I didn't know it. But okay. now since I know it, that's the problem. Because see, you all been talking and not knowing for the last three years. It's just been a massive BS talking about what you're going to do. We're going to do this. And they come in the mess. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you can get that this book. Together with mitigation. So, like this evening, you can go and you don't have to do nothing but in the morning have a note on yourself. We are fixing to combine. You, you are going to combine uh, with that area that you're going to combine. And uh, I want, when is Tony out of that? Tony, we've been talking about that forever. No, he retired. He's retired in July. June, I think. June. So, so who who should uh, replace Torrance? Uh, who who do you think should replace Torrance? Manola Jackson. Yes. Come on. Hello, Brenda. Let's see what you got. Come on. Could be some fit. Let's do this real quick. Yeah, we don't took too much. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. I'm on the break. Thank you so much. I just thought that this is very um, important so you can see my mom with the general manager and the staff. And this is the part I want to say. My mom, she was in a coma for three, um, three weeks. And when she was in her coma, and she came out, she didn't even know some of her grandkids. She knew that who we was. But when she came out of that coma, she saw Mr. Holland and the staff, and she started talking about the mitigation. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just like you said, you know, that was her heart. So I just wanted to let you know how important it was on her, you know, right before she passed away. And under that, because I can speak, the community can speak, but she can speak for herself. And I just wanted you to say, I just want to say thank you. And the last time I was here, the young, um, the commission said he was going to have a closed um, section to see what the building was going to um, about the. I believe it was the. Um, oh, my mind gone. Uh, the educational building and about the Southeast, you was going to have a closed session and let us know what came out of that. So um, just to clarify, we, 
we were not going to have a closed session on that. But the staff is going to look into this and report back to us uh, on this item. That's what we talked about. So Uh, uh, every conversation we have, unless it's it has to be a closed session conversation, everything is public. So you will hear from us. I guess that's uh, as soon as we know more. And I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And you have my email address, right? Right. The form I gave you the last yes. time I was here. I think that information is shared, and uh, as soon as we have some more information about this, okay. that will be reported back to this uh, to the commission, and you will have access to it as well. And yeah. Okay. Glad. God bless you all for this opportunity. Yeah, of course. Means much to me. Thank in, you. In the community. Yes, of course. All right. um, was that, did I, is everything good? Okay, perfect. Could, um, could I do, ask? So, I unfortunately, yes, if you don't mind, um, thank you. Thank you. Could, could I ask, I'm sorry, could I ask a question? I, yes. I, I apologize, I, I don't have a lot of history with the Southeast plant. <clears throat> As I understand it, you, you are concerned about the educational um, building and the job training facilities that you said were intended as a part of the Southeast plant development project, is that? At the community college courses, mm-hmm. and um, it was gonna stay connected, and it was gonna uh, be, uh, a landmark not to tear down because like like I said that that's part of the mitigation and when we see that it's nothing's going on when I ask questions when they're going to do it no one's can give us an answer so I didn't know maybe this is where I need to go or maybe I need to go somewhere else I don't know and the, I'm sorry and the the site for this educational facility is 1800 Oakdale, is that? No, um, they was going to um, 1550 Evans. That was part of the new facility. But um, the newest facility supposed to have the educational building. That was part of the mitigation. Okay, part of the Southeast Community Facility. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure about the 1800 Oakdale that was mentioned at the beginning. Right, because they kind of like combined together. That's why we talk about it. But when they uh, did the new facility, they forgot about the educational building that was promised. Got it, okay, Uh, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Are there any other members? Did you, I'm sorry, did you have something else? I'm sorry. No, I think. I think Commissioner Maxwell last time, um, as part of the um, items initiated by the commissioners, you did bring this up and asked for uh, some report back, and I'm assuming that's in the process, and we'll receive that momentarily, hopefully in the coming meetings, that in one of the next few meetings that we have. Yes, there were four topics that were requested last time. Yes. Um, 1800 Oakdale, 1550 Evans, the educational building, and the greenhouses. Greenhouses, and yes. And I have asked staff to look into that, and Thank that you. is in process. Yep. And it will um, 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 
general manager will be back, um, you know, for the next meeting, but they will be working with this commission to schedule what needs to be scheduled. But Thank yes, those you. are the those were the four um, items that left last, um, both with the um, um, commission. Um, there was there was it was an item eight last time it was an item eight and nine, but put all of those together as to those are the four items. Yes, and if if uh, possible, it would be great to make sure when we have these items report them back to us, uh, somehow uh, Dr. Jackson's family uh, will be informed and they can be here or at least somehow they can um, listen online or be able to engage in the process so they have an answer to the questions they have and they can be involved in the process in some way or another. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, we have any other members of the public present for general public comment? Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have one caller wishing to be recognized. Caller, go ahead. You have two minutes. Thank you. Peter Druckmeyer, 12, River Trust. Wanted to comment on the water supply conditions update. And I usually make a comment about supply. For example, this year the SFPC was entitled to enough water to last 12 years. But today I wanted to comment on deliveries, which is demand. And the final slide of the report shows that right now current demand is 221 million gallons per day, which is very, very low for this time of year, for the middle of the summer. There's a line on this graph for 2013, and demand during the summer averaged above 270 million gallons per day. Uh, that year, the average for the year was 223. So right now on this day, we are lower than the average in 2013, which is already down considerably from when the, the WESIP was approved in 2008. So if demand were 221 million gallons per day for the year, there would be enough water and storage to last more than five years. So even if there was no precipitation, we wouldn't run out of water in more than five years. And in the design drought years, the eight and a half years, the average yield for the PUC is 152 million gallons per day. So uh, SFPUC is an incredibly good position. You've got incredible water rights in slightly below average, average, and above average years. You have enviable storage, and demand is way down, and the Department of Finance projects that it's gonna remain flat for at least the next decade. So as I ask often, uh, let's take a look at these issues. In my opinion, there is absolutely no threat to the SFPUC's water supply of meeting the obligations of the Bay Delta Water Quality Control Plan. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no other callers wishing to be recognized. Thank you. General public comment has closed. Thank you. Can we have the next item, please? Our next item is item 12, items initiated by commissioners. Colleagues, any items you would like to initiate? Okay, so I have three things. Um, one is um, I would like to suggest that we... Um, officially think about moving the public comment back to the top of the agenda, where it used to be. Um, we can, you know, I would like to know if uh, 
either of you have any uh, reservations or uh, questions on that? If not, um, that's one item. Um, no, I don't see any, any reservations here. So uh, the next item is um, I attended the Citizen Advisory Committee meeting last week. It was very productive, really great conversation. A couple of things came up. Um, I'm glad Mr. Robinson is here. Um, someone mentioned in that meeting that California Constitution Code uh, has a requirement to select project based on best value selection, and which is not the lowest bid by best value. And I was wondering if you could look into that for us and let us know what that means and what it entails. And I do know and recognize that this is something that needs to happen at the city level, and we can't just have our own way of project management or project selection. But I think maybe it's a process that we can start here and then we can then uh, move it up the chain of command and see how we can uh, change the process. Um, the second item is regarding, um, um, oh, the second item is actually uh, going back to the um, Southeast Community Center. There was an ask if we can have job fairs there and I wasn't, I assumed we do, but you know, maybe we don't. And if we don't, I was wondering if we can look into having some form of job fairs there to make sure that people in that community know what jobs are open at SFPC and potentially can apply for. Um, there was some information that was provided to me, which I also shared with uh, uh, Madam Secretary, who is going to share with the staff. Uh, you know, there's a, um, uh, group there um, that actually helps with um, job uh, search for some of the community members uh, that we can potentially use that service. So um, that was the second one, um, or the third one. The fourth one that was uh, the discussion we have I had on TIDA redevelopment efforts in um, Treasure Island and um, uh, uh, sort of uh, electricity issues that's happening there. And there was a lot of information coming, but it wasn't very clear. Uh, what I got gathered from that meeting was um, TIDA is exempt from the whole dismantling of the redevelopment, redevelopment um, uh, efforts that happened in the 2011. So they're a standalone, um, sort of they're exempt and they're still uh, responsible to operate and manage um, Treasure Island. I wasn't 100% sure what, um, how do our relationship with them works? What is the sort of the governing body that um, sort of uh, oversees their policy decision making and governance um, uh, sort of structure. So, and through what we can work with them when it comes to these uh, brownouts and blackouts that they're experiencing. So, uh, Ms. Hill, I'm looking at you because I, I think this falls um, uh, under your jurisdiction. It would be great if we can look into this a little bit more uh, and have some form of a, 
uh, report or information provided to the commission on this issue. And if there is anything we can do to help navigate the process, especially if we are investing you know, small amount of money to do small band-aid fixes on the system they have rather than making real investments in the system. It just makes sense to think about like how we can redirect that money to make more fundamental changes. Um, and I, my understanding was that's um, sort of held up in the process somehow. somehow. Um, so should I go through the four items or we, somebody got those items? So, yes, you're good? Yes, Messing. I think I, I, okay. I have all four items. The um, um, moving the um, public comment up to the top, um, um, CAC um, best value. Um, I'm not sure, and I think we will. I will meet with um, Stephen asked me to do this. Thank the you. city and county of San Francisco does have best value construction in our code. I think we should go over with this commission. I think there's a lot of questions about how we contract. And it, a lot of those answers are in our code and available, but we as a city follow city law because we're a charter city and, sure. and it has best value in it already. So okay. um, once we do that, then I think we'll be able to answer the questions that you have more particular, like what's missing or something. Um, on the Southeast Community Center, in a, um, separate from the ones that we um, talked about before, is job fairs and the availability and use of that. And I think a, a, a report in on what's going on out there because I, it, it, it seems, um, um, you know, yes, that is happening, but I think just more generally knowing what's going on there would be helpful. And, and then the last is the title one that we just have with electricity. Thank so you. all four of those is what Perfect. I have. And just on the best value selection, my understanding was, even though it's in our code, and I know everybody sort of feels like, okay, this is in our code, so it's working. I think we are not choosing um, contracts based on, base, best value sort of falls on, you know, the uh, lowest bid, kind of. We, we will come and report on that. That's not accurate. Thank we you do so actually much. use a okay. lot of best value procurement. Okay. So there's a disconnect between what we're doing and what you're understanding we're doing. We do do low bid in particular circumstances. Okay. We do other things that are best value in other circumstances. We recommend those to this commission and you approve them. So that process is opaque to you in a way that we just need to be better at letting you know what's going on. But we as a city do, and we, you as an agency approve a lot of best value um, projects. The only reason I bring this up is because we have talked about this over and over that we have a lot of projects that have budget overruns and have issues uh, that we are obviously collectively not very happy with that, including the staff. I don't think staff really enjoys coming every time and asking us for money to run to do the same project. So something in this process is missing. Right. So the, I've been trying for the past two years to figure out what is missing. So if this is not what's missing, I, we need to somehow figure out what is missing. We'll, we'll, meet, we'll report Thank back you. and meet. And then I, I think we also need to do a better job of talking with our citizens advisory committee so that they are not disconnected because that's that's direct to the citizens. And if they're disconnected, then we're not doing the best job we can do. They should be able to tell their neighbors about this and what we're doing yeah. as well. 
And I did bring up the fact that we are collecting a lot of data and trying to do better and figure out what's going on in there. And they were actually quite excited to hear about that. Um, so um, I did make sure that I shared all the efforts that we have been trying to undertake in this process. But I also want to make sure I report back on how how this whole thing perceived. And to be honest with you, for me, I'm like constantly struggling with this issue. As as you very well know, Mr. Robinson, because you are you hear me complaining all the time. So um, if we can fix this problem, that would be uh, amazing. Um, so that with that, I think those are all the items I had. Can we have public comment on this item, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on the items discussed under item 12, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on the items discussed? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we do have one caller wishing to be recognized. Thank you. Caller, go ahead. You have two minutes. Thank you. Me again, Peter Dreckmark, Tuolumne River Trust. Just wanted to thank President Ajami for recommending that general public comment be moved back up to its former spot at the near the top of the agenda. I think that's going to be very popular with the public. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, the call queue is clear. Thank you. Public comment on item 12 is closed. Thank you. Um, okay, so um, I guess we are not going to have a um, closed session. No, no closed um, session today. So with that, we are adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.